Welcome home to Sycamore Baptist Church. Today's message is entitled, Danger Ahead. Today we're going to talk about danger ahead. Still in John chapter 5, we're going to go through 1 through 15, uh, but danger ahead. Can I ask you this question this morning? What would you do if Jesus healed you? How would you respond? Would you, would you praise him for the rest of your life? Would you worship him for all of your remaining days? Would you devote your life to serve him with your time, talents, and tithes? This morning, let's, let's, let's think about that, those questions and let's pick up uh, where we left off. We remember last week was a miraculous healing of a man who had been an invalid for 38 years and Jesus healed him. We discovered last week that Jesus saw him amongst a crowd of people, which reminds us that Jesus sees us amongst millions of people. Also, we learn how Jesus knew the condition the man was in. And that truth reminds us that Jesus knows what we're walking through right now. We also found out that Jesus cared for this man. And that reminds us of the truth that Jesus cares for us right now. Then at the end of verse nine, we learned that the miraculous healing of this man was done on a certain day, on the Sabbath day. And to remind us of that, let's read verses one through nine in John chapter five. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five Ruth colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame and paralyzed. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now the sick man answered Jesus, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. This man was instantaneously healed miraculously and remarkably he was healed by Jesus Christ. And then at the end of verse nine, we read this. Now that day was a Sabbath day. When we read it initially, it may not seem like a big deal. Maybe it's just a descriptor of what day this healing occurred on. But as we read on, we realize it's, it's, not, it's not just a small issue. It's a, it's a monumental issue. It's a very big deal that this man was healed on the Sabbath. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, if this man was healed on any other day of the week, it wouldn't have been so controversial, but he was healed on the Sabbath day. And it does sound crazy to me when I'm about to talk about this. It really sounds crazy to me that anyone that could have been an invalid for 38 years, if he was miraculously healed, why would that ever be an issue no matter what day it was? I mean, why would that be an issue? It shouldn't be, right? Still, now that day was the Sabbath day. 
Let's read on why this is such a big deal. Verse 10. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. So the Jews look at this walking miracle before them and they tell them, you've broken our laws. It's not lawful for you to do this. Why? Because it's a Sabbath day. You're not supposed to be doing this on a Sabbath day. Securing your bed on the Sabbath day was against Jewish law. And that's what they were reminding this man of. Carrying a, a, your bed on the Sabbath is actually not a violation of God's word. Rather, it was a violation of their oral laws, their oral traditions that they had come to believe. See, over time, the Jewish rabbis, that is, the Jewish religious leaders, had further defined what was considered work on the Sabbath and what was not considered work on the Sabbath. One scholar has written it this way. The rabbis of Jesus's day solemnly argued that a man was sinning if he carried a needle in his robe on the Sabbath. They even argued as to whether he could wear his artificial teeth or his wooden leg. Now, when we read scripture and we read what Jesus taught us, we learn this truth. It is never a sin to do good, no matter what day it is. It's never a sin to love others, no matter what day it is. But to the Jewish religious leaders, this miraculously healed man had been caught red handed, breaking their laws. And, and this is not just a small accusation. It's a very frightful accusation. Uh, we learn in Exodus chapter 31 that because he had done some work on the Sabbath, he could be put out from his people, meaning that he could be removed from the Jewish people and, and be removed from all the people that he knew and grew up with and loved and cared for, even his family. So it's a very uh, frightful, dreadful accusation. Again, Jesus has taught us that it's never a sin to do good no matter what day of the week it is. Now, many look at this passage, they wonder why a man like this who's been healed could do what he's about to do. Well, maybe this context kind of helps us get us in a frame of his mind, the fact that he is caught red-handed, breaking the oral traditions of the Jews, that he could be literally excommunicated and removed from, the, from his people and everyone he's ever grown up with. And now that might help us with his frame of mind, even though he's been miraculously healed for 38 years. He could be removed now. And so let's read on as we as we look to this. Verse 11, but he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me. Take up your bed and walk. Uh, here's the thing. He, he answers their accusations. He says, they say to him, you know, and this blows my mind. He says, the Jews say to him who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. And then he says, wait, 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 wait. It, it, not my fault. Don't point your finger at me. It's not my fault. It's that man who healed me. That's the man who said to me to take up my bed and walk. It was his fault. Don't, don't put this on me. I'm not at blame. I didn't mean to break your oral laws. It was that man who did it. He healed me and he told me to do this. 
So if there's anybody to blame, you need to blame that healer. That blows our mind to think that this man would turn on his healer so quickly, but that a man who's been an invalid for nearly 40 years now, completely radically healed, would turn on him. Yet he does so. Why? Because he's afraid. He's, he's scared. He, he doesn't want to be excommunicated from his people. And so in his great fear, he points to the healer, Jesus, and says, it's his fault. He's the reason I'm carrying my, my bed right now. He's the reason I'm walking and carrying this on a Sabbath. Not his fault. We're quick to judge this man, but honestly, if we were under his pressure, I pray we wouldn't, but maybe we would have done what he did. And I pray we wouldn't have. If we'd been healed by Jesus would we under such immense pressure from people done the same? Look at verse 12. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now, this is an obvious question. The man who'd been healed says, not my fault. Don't look at me. Look at the healer. This guy, he's the one who did it, points his finger at Jesus. And they want to know who Jesus is. That's an obvious question. The Jewish leader's like, who is it? I want to know who it is that told you to take up your bed and walk. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, here's what amazes me about this statement. The Jewish leaders look at a man who's been miraculously healed of 38 years an invalid, and they look at him and they don't say to the man, which I think I would have said, I hope I would have said, who healed you? Like, it's as if the Jewish, leaders, Jewish religious leaders miss it. They just miss it completely. They're, 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 all they are concerned about is someone broke our laws. They miss the miracle right before their eyes. The fact that he's been healed. The fact that he can actually get up and carry a bed that he was confined to. They, don't, they either don't care. They're unconcerned. Or they're unconvinced. I, I don't know which one, but the bottom line is that they don't even think about who is it that healed you? They don't even think to praise God for a healing. They, they just simply think, who is it that broke our laws? I wonder for a moment, does that sound kind of familiar? Have we seen this type of attitude inside buildings like this that we call churches? I'm going to move on from that, but let's go back to our, our scripture. What would we do if we had been miraculously healed by Jesus and then people like this came up to us and pressured us? Look at verse 13. Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Now, the picture is Jesus came up to him. Jesus spoke to him. He was miraculously healed. Get up your Get up, take up your bed and walk. And the man was miraculously healed. And when he was, the crowds came. Now remember the pool of Bethesda. There was a lot of uh, multitude, the Bible said, of, of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed people all around the pool seeking to be healed. And so when, when this man's healed, the ones who could, could move would must have gathered around him. Maybe perhaps they gathered around him because he was healed. It's what they wanted to see in their own life. And they wanted to be close to it, maybe 
for that healing to happen to them. I don't know. Or maybe perhaps they just wanted to celebrate that someone was healed. Whatever the case may be, the crowd just began to gather on this man. And when that happened, the Bible says Jesus simply withdrew. He just withdrew from the crowd. Now, in this moment, you would think that if you were an invalid for 38 years and, and a man told you to get up, take your bed, walk, and you were instantaneously healed and could pick up your bed and you're standing there, you would think that you would frantically begin looking for your healer to say, who are you? What's your name? I, I got to thank you so much what you've done. You, let me know all about you. Who are you that you could heal me this way? We don't get a sense that he did that. And maybe he tried, we don't know. Maybe he couldn't because of the crowd. For whatever the reason, the healed man wasn't able to find out the name of the person, the one, the Messiah who had healed him. Look at the next verse, verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. See, the man went to the temple now, again, we don't know why he went there, but we might could speculate perhaps that he went there to praise God for the miracle that he just received. It seems like that's something someone would do. To, if you've been healed from 38 years and invalid, that you would go to the house of God and worship God for the healing you'd received. Anyway, he's there. And the next, let me just remind you of our question. We keep asking, what would we do if... Jesus miraculously healed us. Would we praise him for the rest of our lives? Would we worship him for all the remaining days of our lives? Would we devote the rest of our entire life to serving the Lord through our time, our talents, and our ties? And Jesus withdrew when the crowd was there, but now Jesus finds them one-on-one -on -one in the temple, in the house of God. It's one-on-one -on -one in a quiet place. Jesus finds the man in a quiet place. Now, as I read this, I believe there's a reason for this. I believe that when the crowds were there, Jesus had something so desperately important that this man desperately needed to hear, to receive, to understand, to embrace. There was something Jesus needed to tell him. That perhaps when the crowd was there, he might miss it. But Jesus came to him in a quiet moment and spoke something to him that this man must hear, needed to hear, needed. Well, what was it? What was it that, that was so important that Jesus came to him one-on-one -on -one in a quiet place to tell him? What was it that he needed to know, understand, and embrace? And Jesus said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. What should we do if Jesus uh, healed us? We, we should realize that he's made us well. Then we should go and sin no more. The man who received a physical healing. But what he still needed was something far greater. It was a far deeper greater need in his life than a, than a physical healing and that was a spiritual healing and that's what Jesus is saying right here see I, I've given you that physical healing but there's something you still lack there's something you still need and he says sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you what is Jesus doing Jesus Christ is calling this man to a holy living 
to holy living, to a, to a holy life, living a life that is set apart from the path and the patterns of this world. This man had been healed after 38 years of misery. And then Jesus says to him in this quiet moment, I've healed you. See, I've made you well. Now, I've given you that physical healing, but now there's something greater you need. Now go sin no more. Now go and sin no more. He says, go and live a holy life unto me, your healer. I'm the one who healed you. Now, this is what you need to do with your life. You need to go into no more. You need to live a holy, set apart, consecrated life unto your healer, Jesus Christ. That is, that is what he's saying. He said, me, your healer, you need to live a consecrated, holy life unto me. This man has only, please hear me. This man has only received a physical healing. Now, I know we read this scripture and we think that is monumentous. It's magnanimous. It's, it's grandiose. It's, it, it's, it's so amazing and, and, and mind-blowing that a man of 38 years living most of his life as an invalid would now be completely and wholly healed. But he was only healed. And that's Jesus telling us is that was the physical healing. That's what you've received, but there's still something far greater, a healing far greater that you still desperately need. This man still needed a spiritual healing. He needs right now in this moment, this is his moment. He needs right now to choose to follow Jesus Christ as his Lord. What would you do if Jesus healed you of your physical need? And then he calls out to you, come follow me. Live a holy life unto me. Go and sin no more. Live a life dedicated, devoted to me. And so that's what we should do. We should live a life that honors and pleases and glorifies Jesus. A life that is consecrated, set apart unto Christ. It is a holy life. We should choose to follow and obey our healer. And Messiah. And I told you this last week in last week's sermon, the greatest need of humankind is not some physical need. It is a spiritual healing. It is salvation that is only found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And here Jesus is offering this man just that salvation. For most people, we believe that our physical needs are our most important needs. Like this man, he was an invalid, like we said, for almost 40 years. In his mind, in his mind, being able to walk once again was his greatest need. Now, if we're not careful, our most urgent physical need may become the only need we care about. It can consume our lives. It can dominate our thoughts. We may think things like, if I could only speak, if I could only see, if I could only hear, if I could only walk, then everything would be right in my world. And some others may say, if I could only make more money, if I could only be smarter, if I could only make better grades, if I could only lose this weight, if, I, if she would only love me or if he would only love me, if, if only, then everything in my life would fit together and be, be
be well and, and fine and good. But that's not the case. Sadly, that's not the case. There's still a far greater need for mankind, for humankind. It's even greater. It's even greater than any, listen, any physical need you might have right now. Your spiritual healing, your need for spiritual healing from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is far greater than any physical need you might have right this very second. See, up to this point, our man seems to have missed it. He's, he's healed, but he seems to have missed it. He has been healed, but he, he didn't seek after the one who'd healed him. In fact, he didn't even know the name of his healer. You see, he seemed to be content with his physical healing. His physical need has been met. And what, what in the world else did he need? See, that's his mindset is I've been healed of my greatest need. No, it's not your greatest need, sir. You thought that was your greatest need. That is not your greatest need. Your greatest need is Jesus. Salvation in Jesus. And that's why Jesus comes to him one-on-one -on -one in a quiet place in the Lord's house. He says, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Jesus tells this man that if he stays on the path he is currently on, it will not end well for him. Now, you think about this from a human perspective, you might go, well, what? wait, 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 wait. What in the world could be worse than living on a bed mat for 38 years of my life, not able to really get around or move or, or help myself at all? To be completely helpless, powerless, what in the world could be worse than that? And Jesus says, oh, by the way, there is something much worse than that. There's something much worse than being invalid for 38 years, sir. Well, what is it? Jesus here is referring to there, what lies up ahead is a life forever separated from Jesus. A life forever separated from the God who created you and loves you. A life eternally lived in hell away from God. See, it's a life lived for all of eternity, not in heaven, which everybody somehow in this today thinks they're just automatically going to go to heaven. We don't just automatically go there. We have to confess our sins and, and, and repent of our sins and, and give our lives to Jesus. Jesus is the only way to walk through the gates of heaven and live there for all of eternity. And, and this is what Jesus is saying. There's something worse ahead. If you stay down this road, if you keep going down this road, the road that you're on, it is, it is a path that leads to destruction and ruin. But not just temporary destruction, eternal destruction. See, what Jesus gives this man is, is a road sign. It's a danger sign. It says, danger ahead, it reads. You ever seen one of those signs as you drive down a road? Maybe it's a danger sign, danger up ahead sign, or maybe it's a, a bridge closed up ahead sign. And you're driving your car. What do you normally do with a sign like that? Well, normally, a rational mind would slow down, stop, turn around and find an alternate route 
to the destination they were hoping to get to. What you wouldn't do in an irrational mind wouldn't do is see the sign that says danger up ahead or, or bridge closed up ahead and then take their right foot and plant it to the floorboard, that gas pedal all the way down to the board and go fast as they can, barreling past the sign straight to a half a mile ahead to their demise and destruction. No rational mind would do that. Still today, many people are doing that in their spiritual life. Jesus comes to us in a sermon like this and says, danger up ahead. Sin no more. That nothing worse may happen to you. There's danger up ahead. The road that you're going down, it's a road that leads to eternal suffering and separation. But the road I'm calling you to, if you'll take my hand, it's a road that I will take you up. And it's a road that leads to pleasure and beauty and no pain and no suffering into, the, into my presence and my glory. That's the road. It's eternal life. That road with me. I want you to go down, go up, up that road with me. See, Jesus calls out. Says if you continue down it, it's not going to end well. It's going to be much worse. So what Jesus says is, man, choose me, choose to follow me. The road I will lead you up is a road that leads to life, abundant life, flowing with all good things where there will be no more pain, no more heartache, no more, no more struggles, no more strife. There, your physical body will be made perfect and all of your spiritual needs will be realized. But if you keep going down that road, the one you're on right now, it will lead to ruin, destruction, disaster, a place where there's nothing but death, eternal death, flooded with fire, where there is nothing but pain, heartache, struggles, and strife. You hear me? Listen, please hear me. There is, really is something far worse than what you're walking through today. Whatever it is you're going through right now, whatever physical need that you have right now, if you do not have Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, there is an end result that is far worse than what you're walking through right now. And it's an eternity separated from God. And realizing and waking up one day in hell. To not be with the one who created you and loves you. And actually be with the one who hates you and despises you. And wants to destroy you. And yet he gets to eternally. Satan will get to eternally destroy you. Or you can be with God. What will this man do? And, and what would we do? Will we, will we choose to go and sin no more? Will he choose? Will this man right here choose to go and sin no more? Will he choose to follow and obey Jesus as healer? Let's look at verse 15 and we close up with this. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. The man went away and told the very ones 
who didn't even care that he was healed. Didn't even ask, who healed you? Praise God, you're healed for 38 years. Praise God, you're healed. No, the ones who were only concerned that he broke the law and that someone broke the law on the Sabbath. He runs to them. He doesn't run to the one who healed him from 38 years. He actually runs to the ones who judged him for breaking their oral laws. How could someone who had been healed from 38 years of pain and misery turn on the one who healed him? Why just wouldn't he choose to follow and obey Jesus? There was the moment. It was right there. Why in the world couldn't he just reach out and said, yes, Lord. I, I know I find it very hard to understand. And I know maybe you find it very hard to understand. But, but the reality is many people today are doing just that. They're doing just that. They're turning from Jesus and turning to a world that doesn't care if they're spiritually healed or not. See, through a sermon like this one, Jesus comes to you and he whispers in your ear. He says, come to me, follow me. That road you're on, that road will end far worse. Don't stay on that road. Give me your hand. Let me guide you up another road, a better road, my road. The only road that leads to eternal life is through Jesus Christ. He says, there you will be with me. This road will never end. It will be a far greater than you could ever dream or imagine. But one day we'll realize if you take my hand, Jesus said. Would we be like this man and just turn on the one who cares about us, who, who cares that we have eternal life, who cares about our spiritual uh, uh, condition, who cares about our eternal destination? Will you accept Jesus Christ today? I like to end with this little statement that says this. I know that many people today are probably praying for some major physical need in your life. It could be financial. It, it could be about the COVID-19. It could be something in your own physical. Maybe you're battling cancer or something else. But you've been praying for a physical healing. You need to hear me. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, Lord, there is something far worse ahead for you than what you're walking through right now. And I'm not trying to, to, to diminish the pain and the suffering that you're dealing with right now. I'm not trying to do that. But what I am saying is hell is far more worse than we could ever think about, ever dream about, ever imagine. It, it's way worse than anything we've ever experienced or ever will ever experience or anything that anyone has ever experienced on this planet since the dawn of creation. So reach out to him. And for all of those who, have, who seek a physical healing, a physical need to be met, I want to tell you that Jesus always, Jesus always heals his children. Now, it may not be on this side of the sky. It may not be there. Like You want your healing? 
like you want your Burger King Happy Meal, like or Burger King Happy Meal, well. But you want your healing like now. It's the microwave generation. You want your healing right this second. But the truth is, Jesus will heal his children wholly and perfectly. He will heal you, but it may not be today. And it may not be tomorrow, but it will be one day. Listen, one day we will live and reside with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior forever in heaven. We will be with him. And on that day, can I tell you, whatever backache you once had, it won't even be a distant memory. Whatever need you're praying so desperately about right now, physical, physical need, won't even be a blip on a radar. Because for all of eternity, you will be made perfectly well, whole with Jesus, praising the Lord of all creation, your Messiah, your Savior, and you're just going to worship him. So I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're in, you're in your, your living room or your den. Maybe you're in a car on your phone, but you're watching this. Listen, if you are a child of Jesus Christ, child of God, if Jesus has saved you, if you've given your life in the hands of Jesus, you said yes to Jesus, then you just need to stop and praise Jesus because he will heal you. Every physical need you have one day will not even be needed in heaven for he will supply everything, everything you need. Everything will be supplied. And not just for a day, for a week, but for all of eternity. Thank you for joining us. We pray you enjoy today's message from God's Word. For more information about us and our church, please visit us at www.sycamorebc.com.